Welcome back to On Stage, Off Stage. I'm your host, George Sapio. This is episode 63, and our guest is Tyler M. Perry, lighting and scenery designer who has worked extensively with Ithaca theaters like The Kitchen and The Hangar, as well as various venues off-Broadway. We don't nearly have enough technical folks on On Stage, Off Stage, a trend we are eager to reverse, so we jumped at the chance to have Tyler take a break from his insanely busy schedule to come chat with us for a little Such while. A crazy question. Um, well, give me crazy answer. Not really, but uh, yeah. So it all started. It all started when I was five years old, and I was looking for an after-school activity, and I ended up acting. But uh, that that uh, turned into to a stage management and technical theater class that I that I took in a, in a in a company called Fantasy Works Youth Theater, which is now called Rhode Island Youth Theater, and um, from there. I started doing some tech work for them behind the scenes, just little things. And in um, in high school, my drama teacher asked me if I wanted to light a play. And I said, I don't know. I've never done it before, but absolutely I want to do that. Had, um, you've never lit a play before? A couple of months earlier, I had lit a production of Pinocchio that the, the youth theater was doing. Okay. It was very primitive. When the crickets tur- came out, the lights turned green. When we were inside, the orange lights turned on, um, <laughs> and uh, and I had a great great fun doing it. But um, but after that, I, I started doing the high school shows, and uh, it was a labor of love because uh, I was still figuring out how all the equipment worked, but also trying to help tell the story. And I even lit it. I did I did one pass through it. I watched the play, and I was like, wow. This is really bad. And I did it a <laughs> second kind, what, time. What kind of equipment did they have? Because, I mean, we're talking obviously somewhere around, like, what, 2004 or something like that? Yeah, 2004. So we had a really bad system in the school. Uh, that was from the 60s when it was built. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, um, I'm thinking, you know, it's a high school system. They're probably not up to date with all of, you know, the, the state of the art. Yeah, equipment. we had all the, we had a big piano board with the cranks that you had to work, but most of them were broken, so there were like little house dimmers on the wall. It was really, really special. But, uh. <laughs> Good word, special. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> but our theater department puts money aside to rent equipment. So we would rent a full, like ground up uh, lighting package, so we were using mm. we were using Source Fours, we were using uh, we were using the Express um, light board at the time. Uh, sometimes a really fun Leprechaun, which was which is a, uh, an interesting. They have an interesting software. So. Okay, explain to me what a Leprechaun is. It's it's a computerized light board. It's a it's a different brand. Uh, there's, the big thing about it is they have a wheel that you turn to like select things. Then you hold down the wheel to to like, so like select and then spin it again to select the next. It's it's kind of crazy. Yeah, um, mm, it's okay. not as it's not as easy as like just typing what you want. Um, but we use that sometimes. Um, but it was actually really great because you because we would have to load it in every time. We got to know exactly how the system worked from like the power comes out of the wall to the light comes out of the fixture. So. And in between, and everything, everything is, in between. Yeah. Um, and as you, you know, as you worked through the, as I worked through my high school career, I was teaching more people how that works, and mm-hmm. um, I actually still go back and design for them. But so, and some other alumni are, are working with the students um, more 
In fact, my brother is one of them. Is, is your brother in the field also? He is in the field. He's, he runs a production company in Rhode Island called Advanced Production and Design, and they're doing really well. Uh, he's primarily a sound person, but sound, production management, okay. build scenery. They'll do anything. They do lighting. So scenery? Yeah. When did, when, uh, was, was this a, a step off of lighting, or did you just get, hey, we need a hammer and the person who owns it to go with it, or what? I don't know when it all started, because I've just loved every aspect of theater since a child. I went to Ithaca College, and we had to, right. we have to sort of claim a, a focus, a primary focus and a secondary focus. And I said, okay, I guess my secondary focus is scenery. And taking the, the scenery track, I learned that I really liked it, and... Um, and then I had something to bring to the table too. So, uh, mm. and I, and I was, uh, grateful enough to get a set design assignment at school. Um, that was, that was really great. And, What'd you get? Uh, magic flute. I did the magic flute. That had um, to be interesting. It was, it was interesting. It was actually hard because it was magic flute on a budget too. So magic flute. On a... <laughs> um, let's so do you... this crazy whacked out opera with, Everything thrown on. Oh, and by the way, you yeah. got a dollar thirty-seven. Right, no. right. Yeah, it was. Act, it was really interesting because you had to get one. I, I try to do this all the time. This one clear idea, mm -hmm. like what is the idea for the play? What is the whole play about? And how can you bring that out in the set? Whether it's physically manifested or something that can drive action in a way that manifests it. Um, so that one was all about ascension and like of coming of age but through enlightenment so this has a big staircase <laughs> what was your first influence oh musicals or quote straight theater musicals, musicals okay yeah mine too very first. mine too yeah. yeah i was the only kid in the first grade that knew all the words to south pacific fiddle right. on the roof my fair lady i just dated myself okay um <laughs> Yeah, which, which kind of put me at the other end of the schoolyard. Did people tell you to, you know, pursue theater but get a real job? Not really. Uh, actually, my family was very supportive of it. I'm surprised. Actually, I'm surprised that they weren't, like, worried at all. I did have one instance where a friend of mine, a, a, a great friend of mine now, but when I first met him, his first things he said, this was in New York, I said, what, what advice do you have for a young lighting designer? He goes... Go to law school. <laughs> <laughs> yep. But, you know, some, some of those New York people can start to get a little jaded. Well, it is one of the toughest professions going. I mean, regardless of, you know, how good you are at it. Yeah. Right? It, it is one of those things where there's 50 other people in line for the same job. Yeah. Okay. So a large part of this comes down to not just how good you are. Okay. And I've seen your work. You're very good. Right? Thank but you. it comes down to, comes down to who you know also. Absolutely. Right? And Ithaca College has a great after graduation uh network that you can work with. So that's you know, that's a step up there and the other thing. It's but making it in New York that's it's, it's hard. I um I will say the network from Ithaca College is really helpful and all these it's actually really great. I can trace my lineage, like, sort of all the work I've gotten in New York back to Ithaca College in a lot of ways. Um, but I, I've met some people, and I'm in, I'm uh, cashing in on it, and I would, that's what I would recommend to anybody. Yeah. Cash in on the, the uh, people you've met. and Getting a network in New York, how difficult is that? I'll let you know when I've done it. Um, okay. <laughs> no. All right. We'll be back next week. <laughs> I, I I always think everything is, is a, it depends on 
you, the person. Mm-hmm. Um, especially, I think about about education and mm-hmm. and networking as well. But I've I've been really lucky because I've my girlfriend works in the theater and uh, she's got her own network from University of Oklahoma, right. and I've met some of those people and. Um, you know, we've just, I've met a lot of people and, uh, it's work it's, though, isn't it's it? It's all work. I mean, on, oh, it's, on, on one hand, it's pleasure because you're establishing a human connection yeah. with someone in the same field as you. So on that level, it's genuine, but there's always this thing in the back of your head. It's like, I just met somebody else that might turn me on to somebody else who might have a job <laughs> all the time. Even with my friends, I'm thinking, uh, well, I'll be talking to them about stuff and, and they'll be telling me about a show they're doing. I'm like, is there any lighting design? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> How can I turn this into a job for me? <laughs> Do they need a playwright? Right. <laughs> it's it's a weird thing, and it, I think that everybody's doing it. Oh yeah, I hope so. Yeah, or the, else the I'm a terrible friend. But no, 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 no. It's it's. <laughs> There's this festival that I work that I've been doing. This is my second year doing it. It's for young playwrights in New York. It's called for a company called Brightopia Lab. It's their worldwide okay. plays festival, and um, it's all a bunch of younger well not younger but directors and and actors and um and and there's a few designers and it's three weeks of really hard work for me i mean it's i think it's about six weeks of work for the actors and directors but um you meet so many people at this festival and they're all so fun and and great to work with because you're they're directing plays written by children they're kind of kooky some of them are a little dark but there are ten minute plays, and we're in and out. We're having these like really intense relationships for like twenty five minutes, and then we don't see them again for another couple of days when they come back for another rehearsal. But you get to work with these directors or actors in like a really short amount of time and try and do a really great job in that amount of time. Uh, so I've made a lot of friends there. Yeah. I've made a lot of um, connections as far as colleagues there and it's it's a great little passion project too because it sounds like it sounds like a lot of fun yeah and it's i i mean i'll do it as long as they want me to because it's great to produce that stuff for the kids and to see what they're writing because you know some's about like a cupcake and a cookie are going to find chocolate chips and all the it's amazing what comes out of kids minds yeah and then there are also some really raw stuff that's like about suicide or Or uh, there was one about transgender in this in this one, and really poignant stuff that they have totally different point of views about than old, people older than them. And uh, but they have the tools. People to write my age about would it. never have seen that sort of thing in grade school. Oh yeah, school. I mean, absolutely. To even think about coming out with anything about transgender, right, or suicide. Yeah. Wow. We'd have been under psychiatric care in about three seconds. I'm not kidding. I know. And it's People probably were a great of vehicle for them to think yeah. about those things, like to, to discuss those things. And it starts a director between them. Uh, it starts a conversation between them and yeah. the director that can be more important than just making the play happen. Like you could be saving this kid's life. You don't know. You're, you're directing their play. They're, t- they're talking about something that's meaningful to them. You've yeah. got to pay attention. Let's get really techy-geeky just for a second. Oh, yeah. Because um, this stuff fascinates me, and that's really what matters. Um, <laughs> I've done some stage management in my time. Okay. I, I, no offense, but I worship stage managers above everybody else in theater. I yes. love all of you. But working with the equipment, how has it changed? How has it made your job better? What improvements have you 
been clapping your hands over, and what are you still waiting to be improved? I will say the Ion software, that's the newest Ion update for the for ETC Ion Lightboard, is awesome. They've, is it? Oh, yeah, their magic sheet. They have this virtual magic sheet that's great. You can just select things. You can see how lights are changing real time on the screen, which is especially helpful for TV, which I've, I've been dabbling in a little bit lately. Because you can't often see the rig. You can see the screen that is filming, and you can see that, that screen. And you can actually see what's going on there. Um, and all they've, got, they've done all this great stuff to like just shorten how you do things. Like Rather than trying to find save now, you can shift update. And it's saved. The show's saved. And all these things that make it so much easier to do. And writing effects is like... Bam, 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 and you can just do it really quickly. Being able to see what you're doing on the screen, this is before you get to the venue? You can actually... Um, well, I was thinking in television, when you aren't when you aren't able to actually see the... There's like a wall of screens in front of you before right. you can actually see the studio. I don't do a lot of programming before I get into the theater because I like to see what it looks like right. um, rather than guess. But uh, there it... The magic sheet's also great because it just lets, rather than trying to think about, okay, so what channel is that light? How, like, what number is that? You can just look at the screen and click it, and it's done. You just click the light that you want. That sounds like even I could probably do it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, someone's going to write it. Someone's going to write that magic sheet for you, but it's actually made that really easy, too. Um, And there's so many features of it that I haven't even gotten into Mm -hmm. because I just... I don't work on shows big enough to have, like, pixel mapping and things right. like that. Um, What's the biggest show you've worked on? The bigger shows I've worked on have been assistant work. That still counts. Oh, yeah. I mean, the biggest show I've done, it, I was an intern on Cinderella on Broadway. Okay. Uh, lighting design intern, which was a great experience where it's sort of part of my lighting network has yes, started. Um, Broadway. The Broadway. Yeah. Um, that was an amazing experience. I learned so much on it, too. Uh both from the business end, the design end, the technology end, just how how the whole structure works. I look at the lighting grid. Yeah. And I always forget as I'm watching the play, because when the lighting is done right, you don't notice it. But it affects right. you subliminally, mm-hmm. subconsciously. Sometimes you do notice it when you've got, like, you know, three green specials hitting one thing on the stage. And then it becomes super obvious. Yeah. There is an art, there is a technique to doing lighting in any play, and it's specific to every different play. Yes. Right? You, as a lighting designer, you walk in, you get a play. Where do you start? How does, how does this go from the inside of your head reading the play to actually tech week? Right. Well, I, I obviously start by reading the play. I... Say I try to read the play twice, but it doesn't usually happen because it's just no. There's no time. And then I try and have a discussion with the director. Uh, and sometimes that doesn't happen until after a set is designed. Uh, I like to start talking before that because you know sometimes some of the things that are in your head just about how the play functions, not necessarily about the lighting, but about how the play functions, can inform the set. And I like to have that discussion with everybody. Uh, I work very collaboratively with the other design team members because 
you have to, I think. You, I mean, yes, to make a cohesive yeah. thing. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I usually, then after that, I, I, you know, I put in my own, my feedback when I see scenery and costumes and stuff, but mostly I wait till the set is designed and I think about how I can use the scenery to inform lighting choices, whether it be how to light the set, which is a big thing, but also like, oh, the set makes this implied line. I can further that implied line with this type of lighting that lights the the person on stage. I mean, I guess some of the harder shows I've done are shows where, well, if there's no scenery, it actually becomes really interesting for me because I get to make all the choices and I get to figure out how the play. We're, I'm doing a play in New York called A Man of No Importance. It's a musical, actually. <clears throat> it's being done with no scenery. So I was like, okay, so maybe we need a window gobo to be the, the church. Is that a design choice, or do they just not have a budget? Well, or? there's no budget, there's no there's no time, but it's become a design choice. It's be, it's like become the idea that, like, okay, we're going to do a no set. Because, I mean, design choices from absolutely nothing on the set yeah. to an over-clutteration of, you know, doing, like, the price by Arthur Miller, where the stage huh. is virtually crammed full of stuff. Right. Um each, each one of those things is a major decision, and it affects how Absolutely. everything else in the show operates, including yeah. lighting. Oh, yeah. I think this is a, a bit of a lot of things in that uh, the play is actually very theatrical. It starts with, um, it's about producing a play, um, and it starts in an empty theater space that they sort of tell the story of telling the story. Mm -hmm. um, by like moving some chairs around or whatever, they they just it just comes to life. So it's it's the perfect play to say like, okay, we're just gonna do it in the empty theater. We're not gonna hang masking. We're not gonna do any of that. We're just gonna let it go. So do you feel a need to compensate for the lack of scenery with your sometimes lighting? Sometimes to throw out there. Maybe sometimes off the top of my head, I am, and that's the way it was with this play where I was thinking, before I even talked to the director, I was thinking like, okay, so maybe we need a window to be the church, or maybe we need this box of light to be the bus, and maybe we need all these things. And it it was very specific, like I was trying to describe scenery without having scenery. And get, getting to talk to her when we were actually talking about the play, and this thought, this theme of like, it's the play, it's, we're telling the story of telling the story, and, and all the themes in the play about, um, being who you are, because there's a, uh, some homosexuality stuff in the play as well. So after talking all about that, we just we just decided that it doesn't need any of that. We can do stuff with like gestures of light. That's like just a light from this direction means we're in this place. And if we blow light through the do the door of the theater, like let's use the architecture of the theater. So I don't have to compensate for the scenery there, okay. but we're finding our own way of expressing the story through the light in a much more imaginative way than I was thinking originally. And it came out of having a discussion about theme and, and things in the play, so which often gets forgotten. It's like, but that's, I think, where it's most important. It's like, let's talk about that, and then every decision we make from here on out should be based on what we talked about today. I haven't been put in a, in a position yet where somebody's told me what they think the play should be lit like, which is good. Um, I do, I, you know, I've seen, I've worked on plenty of plays, almost every play, where we're watching something mm. and something's not working, and and we'll just talk about it. I mean, I try and approach everything from a text point of view, or based on what I'm seeing. I mean, I've thrown full sets out before, like, here's this thing I did, 
and then like throughout a whole set oh yeah oh there's a story come on yeah christmas carol at at um at running to places actually really um yes the very first the very first time they did it because the plan was to keep running it very first time we designed it i submitted a set that granted was going to be over budget and i was really excited about it when i presented it and everybody seemed really excited about it and then i was thinking about the play and i was like hey you know this thing that i did it really doesn't have any sort of point of view on the play and it doesn't you know and i was thinking about it wasn't really doing anything it was just a lot of stuff on stage yeah. so i was like i don't and i don't think we can afford it anyway so <laughs> rather than just trying to nickel and dime it down let me start over. I have another idea. And then I just threw it out. I mean, it was like 12 pages of drawing that I had done to get submitted for budgeting. And I was just like, we're not going to do that one. Let's do this new one. <laughs> Does that happen a lot with you? I mean, not when, when I, let me take that back. Mm-hmm. Is that the only time that your original idea hasn't worked out? The reason I ask is because you're in theater. We're all in theater. Everybody out there listening to this is in theater yeah. practically, right? And we all know about the great ideas we've had in our head. You know, I'm, I'm a writer. I write things down. This is a brilliant idea. I'm working on a play. Oh, my God. I'm just... And then you start working it out and you realize it's crap. Right. <laughs> all right? It's the dumbest idea you've ever come up with. I'm not saying that's pertaining to you. I'm just saying it's one of the things where you look at it and you go, what the hell was I thinking? Yeah. Oh, I think it happens in every play, actually. Um, that was the... That was the furthest I had gotten with it. Yeah. Where I showed it to the director, and there were drawings that were being submitted for budget and all that stuff. But I always, I mean, there are usually, I just, I'm working on a set design for Smokey Joe's Cafe, and the director saw the first, the, what I called the prelim designs, mm-hmm. which is the first thing he saw. I had designed four different sets before that for that show that I was like, this is terrible. I'm never seeing, letting anybody see this. And that happens a lot. I was doing um, Lungs at Kitchen Theater Company. It's a play with no set, and we were trying to do something with it. We didn't want to realize all the scenery. We wanted just some gesture. I had designed four different versions of floors and skies and things. That one did. The director did see a lot of it, and we were like... I sent her one thing in the morning, and we were going to meet that evening. And then the afternoon, I was like, here's another thing I did today, because I think that that one's not so good. And I sent it to her. So, yeah, I mean, I... I it is. It's an it's an art, but I I'm certainly not a person who gets married to the artistry of it. Like, yeah, it's not like I've painted you a masterpiece and it has to go on stage. It's it's like, what do you think? And that I'm I'm starting to work in digital rendering and like computer renderings rather than models, mm-hmm. so that it's even less um, precious. It's right. like it will take me ten minutes to to redraw that piece of scenery for you rather than like oh it's going to take me like six hours to so we're talking that like an auto piece. autocad kind of thing going yeah on i work in vectorworks, vectorworks um, yeah. and yeah they have a 3d rendering uh the render works that's got to be fun it is it's really fun and and um it's it's really easy to do simple stuff really fast mm-hmm. like without any training you can start doing it um but i've been doing it for a few years now so I'm getting pretty good at it, I think. And um, <laughs> you ever get carried away late at night and design an eight-story set for Hamlet? Uh, <laughs> no. Okay. Um, <laughs> All right. <laughs> uh, no, I haven't. Uh, as as a lighting designer, mm-hmm. all right. I'm speaking specifically as a lighting designer. Mm-hmm. 
when it comes to the play, what is your job? Because I had Scott O'Brien in here a little while yeah. ago, all right? And he hit me with being a sound designer is somebody who can provide the noises and solve problems. Okay, which I thought was an sure. interesting way of, other than saying, you know, I make the doorbells ring, or I'll give you the wind, I'll give you the, you know, the, 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 uh, the water lapping on the beach, all the stuff that I would have basically thought. Mm-hmm. Where do you see yourself in the process? I mean, how do you describe the nature of what it is you do? Uh, this is a tough one. You had no idea I was going to ask you this. Um, I act, one of the things I always say is that my job is mostly to reveal everybody else's work. Um, I think the lighting can only be as good as the scenery. I think the lighting can only be as good as the dancing. I think the lighting can only be as good as the acting because it's like the final layer over all of that stuff. And it, it, uh, it, and I always think my, that, what I'm doing as in lighting is reflective of what's happening on stage, whether it be to complement it or to show a um, to show another side of what's happening. Like if they're having this real tender moment, maybe there's like some some green or something in there to show that something's a little off about the relationship or something like that. Um, yeah, that, that's not to say that I don't have my own opinions about the piece. Um, I think everybody's got opinions oh, on yeah. most things. Yeah, and, I, and I try to find a way to express my opinions or point of view, but I have to use everybody else's work to do it because I'm lighting around scenery or am I lighting the scenery or like what, what people do we see and what people recede. And uh, I mean, I'll, and I, I usually have a lot of light cues even in plays because I'm deciding like, that's the most important person on stage right now. They're going to be brightest. Or mm-hmm. that's the most important. And moving around like that, and like if they're talking about someone over there and they like sort of peek it out through the window, we got to highlight the window now. But I'm not going to leave that highlight on all the time because the window is not the most important thing in the show. Like, What's the most number of light keys you've had in the show? Oh. No, okay. Um, I think I've probably been in the 400s. Wow. Um, no, maybe the 300s. Uh, and that would be like a big musical. Um, a lot of the times, the, those bigger musicals I've been doing at high schools lately, and they're the only place with enough gear to make So stage managers like in the back calling the entire show, yeah. reading the script going, go, 241, go, 242, yeah. 3, 4, 5. Yeah. Of course, it gets a little hairy because I do every other number, so they're calling like like he's six hundred and forty-seven. <laughs> um, yeah, I I think about that, but they're usually I mean a play is usually in like the hundreds, and a musical is usually in like two fifty, depending on the musical. Yeah. Depending on the musical, I will say I did a production of Into the Woods. This is probably the most challenging lighting I've done. I did a production of Into the Woods with. 32 dimmers in a huge space. Where was this? Cider Mill Playhouse. Okay. Um, uh, and that's a big honking musical. No kidding. Um, that's, yeah, that's a long musical. Yeah, it's a long A lot of stuff happens. But 32 dimmers, 
Um, and I didn't really think that they had a light board there that could only, uh, you could only put 200 cues on it. And I was like, well, maybe we need a different light board, because last time I did this show, there was like 300 and some cues in it. And, uh, you just can't put up a general wash in the beginning for scene one and no, then just change it. Right, right. And I thought, like, well, maybe I'll be doing this one a little differently uh, as far as the queuing structure because it's a smaller space. I mean, it's, diff it's a different play. I mean, yeah. the set's totally different. We've, we, we structured the first scene differently than we did the last time I did it, so maybe it's going to be not so many. But, no, there was just as many like cues, and it was a... Uh, yeah. <laughs> I was surprised, actually, with 30 dimmers that we still had some 270 light cues in the show. That's crazy. Yeah. And That's it, they crazy. all looked different. That's yeah. the real thing. Tyler M. Perry, it has been an absolute thrill having yes. you with us here on On Thank Stage. Off so Stage, much. thank you so much for coming up here in the heat. And uh, can't wait to see what you're coming up with next, either yeah. at the hangar or the kitchen or when you're back in the area. Um, well, Thoroughly Modern Millie is is starting in a week at Sidonville Playhouse in Endicott okay. and uh, Thin Walls, the last show of the season right. at Kitchen Theater Company is, um, is starting in two well, we go into tech in two weeks so you're doing guess, lighting or scenery for that? I'm doing both, it's a one woman play by Alice Eve Cohen, who was there two seasons ago, and I just love her work I just, I love the way that she structures these plays and, and the narrative of it and uh it's very inspiring for me as a designer, so I hope cool. you'll come out to see that. Sounds great. Yes. Everybody go see Thin Walls by Alice Eve Cohen and Thoroughly Modern Millie at the Cider Mill Playhouse. Tyler and Perry, thank you so much for being here. Thank you.